0: The Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast, Inspiration and Innovation.
1: We're talking everything you want to know about this medium that we love so much.
0: And we're your hosts, John Middick and Barb Sotiropoulos. Hey there, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and this is the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Barb Sotiropoulos. Barb, how are you today?
1: I'm wonderful. How are you?
0: I am doing great. So Barb and I are going to be talking today about how to choose your paper or your surface for your color pencil projects. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this particular episode because we're going to walk you through the thought process, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced. And later on, we're going to reveal our particular favorite papers or surfaces, to work on. So I, I I can't wait to start talking about this. The outcome yeah, too. the outcome of your artwork really depends a lot on the surface and the pencil combination, right, Barb? So it's a very important topic.
1: Yeah. I think it's actually one of the most important topics yeah. when you're talking about fundamentals and where to start. I mean your surface is where the art goes. So <laughs> right.
0: Can't get any more kind of fundamental important. than that, right?
1: So we're going to talk about whether paper surface really matters in colored pencil.
0: We're going to talk about what some of the considerations should be when you're picking a particular paper or surface.
1: And also, how do you know which surface is right for you?
0: Okay, let's, let's talk about a beginner then, Barb. Sure. When you look at artists whose work you admire and you find out what surface they're working on, then I think in the very beginning, it's a good thing to emulate that. I mean, if you like their work, why not use their materials? And the paper choice is a big one. I've seen it too many times where an artist will say, well, I like this person's work. So I tried to you know, draw this dog just the same way they drew the dog. But it didn't turn out right. What paper were you on? Well, I chose this cheaper paper because I thought I would just get rid of it because that's what I have on hand that could be the reason why sometimes the results are less than desirable. So something important to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think just to add to that, I mean, there are definitely inexpensive, but quality papers that you can purchase to start while you're learning. And the reason I would suggest that for a beginner is just because, you know, you're there's a lot of pressure if you spend a lot of money on an expensive piece of paper to not mess up. Yeah. And when you're first starting, when you're a beginner, you're, you're going to have some false starts. You're going to have some projects you don't finish. You're going to have ones that, you know, you got halfway through and you hate it. So you want right. to start over whatever. Right. And so if you're, if you've now put this pressure on yourself to use a really expensive paper, the, you, you might, you might be, I mean, it's adding a whole level of complexity yeah. and stress to the situation that you don't need. So I think, you know, when, when you have those opportunities to buy, Inexpensive papers, or even just sample packs Mm -hmm. um, in smaller quantities, or in a pad, it gives you that ability to be able to, you know, have that exploration and and try it out without uh, a huge investment initially on your part.
0: Absolutely. So you could go smaller, get a smaller size of that same paper. I guess my point is that if you're wanting to emulate someone's particular technique or style, if you try to use a paper that is so different, than the paper they're using, your results might not be quite uh, at the level that you want. So,
1: and that's a big part of it, too. The reason a lot of times why they're like, for example, you know, we, we talk about Heather Rooney a lot, but she's yeah. just a very high profile example. Right. The type of paper that she is using in combination with the pencils that she's using. Also, in combination with the techniques that she used, mm-hmm. all of those things work together, work together because of what they are. Yep. So, you know, she's doing a lot of burnishing, for example. The reason that's working is because she's doing it on this incredibly smooth surface. Yeah. You know, like all, all of those things and she's also using pencils that, uh, you know, are very waxy and, and, and work really well for those techniques. That said, you know, if you're trying to emulate her look and and style mm-hmm. with completely different materials, it's going to be a lot harder to achieve that. I mean, yeah. it's going to be hard to achieve it anyways because she's doing a very high level of realism. And if you're a beginner, you're, you're probably not going to be there yet, right. but the point being that. All of those things work in concert together right. to be able to achieve that result. And so if, you're, if your goal is to emulate a certain artist, the best thing you can do is find out what they're using yeah. and then try out, um, you know, the same pr- paper and the same pencil type in and, and combination. And you might actually find you hate it, what works for somebody and the results they get. There's an individuality there that's happening as well that is part of why they're getting that result. So. It's good to try it, but also don't be surprised if for some reason it ends up not being what you like.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And so in our next point here with a beginner, and if you consider yourself a beginner, then consider using a Bristol paper or a vellum or a smoother paper. Smoother papers, actually, Barb, I found were so much easier to use in the beginning Yes, because yeah. I wasn't layering as much. I didn't have to resolve things build something up and then resolve it after so many layers but i could get quickly to the finish when i did that uh and speaking of heather rooney she does use a smoother paper i think she uses a plate surface a lot but uh, definitely a smooth paper and so you're getting to the result the end result quicker than you would otherwise if you're having to build up hundreds of layers you know let's just say
1: yeah (laughs) And let me tell you, I was all about the Bristol Smooth when I started. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I mean, you know, I was using Prismacolor on Bristol Smooth yeah. and it was great. And I was using mostly burnishing techniques and that really worked well. But when I actually uh, started experimenting more with like OMS and those kind of techniques, that combination didn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. It It actually made it look really terrible. So, yeah. you know, that's something to consider too. Like, you know, what techniques are you applying? Is mm-hmm. that paper appropriate for that you know if you're using any kind of mixed media you want uh your surface to sort of be appropriate for whatever that that other medium is in addition to colored pencils so i mean for example if you're using watercolor based pencils you can't use a bristol paper because it's not going to grab it's not going to grab pigment in the same way and it's not suitable for a wet medium so you know, you're going to have all kinds of issues and warping and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, with the, the paper surface you choose is incredibly important for your techniques and whatever the end result is that you want. So moving on to if you're more of an intermediate artist, this is where you can start exploring and experimenting with different or higher quality papers like hot press papers, pastel met, me, paper. Um. Papers that just sort of they'll support different or advanced techniques or layering. So we sort of talked about that in the last segment for beginners. Just that idea of, okay, so now you're you're you've moved beyond just your basic, you know, burnishing techniques. And now you want to do something a little bit more advanced. You're maybe looking into layering a bit more. uh, Some of those slower buildups, like which papers Mm -hmm. are going to be a little bit more. Suited to say, like a slow, mm-hmm. light layer of multiple layer building.
0: Yeah, and that and that's not to say, guys, that if uh, you're using a smooth paper, that you're a beginner artist. We're, we're not saying that at all. But what we're saying is, yeah, I think is it, you know if you consider yourself an intermediate artist, maybe you've been in the medium for a few years and you're at this intermediate stage, then push yourself in some other area with your surface and with your paper. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, a prime example of um, ways to develop even more uh, in your work is to have a paper that will support more layers, because then you're not resolving everything right away, but you can build up more of this nuanced color scheme underneath or even value and create more of a that, that modeling effect uh, on your uh, particular artwork or your subject matter. Uh, and I think that that's important to explore. I, I think if I could capitalize that in one word, when you're an intermediate artist is uh, exploring, just experimenting and trying to figure out how to push yourself in some different directions. So I love that.
1: Yeah, I I think that's totally the time to do it. Yeah. You know, once you get to be in an intermediate level, you're a little bit more confident yeah. in your technique and the style that you're maybe going for you may not have style totally figured out but you're definitely more confident in your skill set and you're more willing to branch out and try other things and it's it's not like to be clear also it's not uh, I feel like beginners sometimes can also be very experimental but mm-hmm. it's more this chaotic like trying all the different things just to find something that works as opposed yeah. to doing the experimentation with intention right so doing it in the sense that you you know what you're doing, but you're just trying to fine tune and sort of tweak your techniques and your process to mm-hmm. find a paper or even a pencil for that matter that really works for what you're trying to achieve. Yeah.
0: And, you know, the same thing is true with anything in life. So do it with your intermediate level of success with colored pencil or whatever medium you're working in. Change one variable. Don't change them all. Change one variable. So if it's paper choice, Keep the pencils the same. Change the paper source, you know? If it's pencils, keep the paper the same then. And just change one thing to experiment. Like, to your point, Barb, experiment with intention. I love it. Do you struggle with editing your reference photos? You can spend or waste a lot of time just trying to make your photo look just right. We're talking about all the things before you even sit down to draw.
1: It doesn't matter whether you're using your own photos or images from other people. There are a few things you can do to make this part of the process go more smoothly.
0: Most courses or workshops teach you how to render a photo but they leave you in the dark on how to tackle the photo prepping process. But these are valuable skills to acquire.
1: In this brand new live Zoom workshop, John and I will walk you through the exact steps we use to edit and prepare our reference photos.
0: I am so excited about this, Barb. It's coming up this week. We're going to give you the exact tools to put you in the driver's seat when it comes to editing and creating the artistic vision right from the start.
1: In this workshop, you will learn how to work with photos you've taken yourself, how to know when a photo needs editing, important considerations and tips for taking commission work using others' photos, and problem-solving using composited photos or additional photos as reference, and much,
0: much more. This happens this Thursday, February the 10th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and it's only 37 bucks.
1: We're only accepting 40 students this time around, so make sure you grab the link in the show notes and register now.
0: And if you can't make it live, you still get access to the replay. We'll see you there. It's time for the Art Fact Minute. So today we're talking about sizing. Now you may have heard the term sizing before, but do you know what it means in relation to paper manufacturing, Barb?
1: I've heard it before, John, but actually I don't know a lot about it.
0: So surface sizing is a step in the paper production process. The most common materials used are vegetable starch or gelatin from animal bones and hides. These materials can add to a paper's strength and flexibility.
1: Oh, wow, that's interesting. And I didn't realize some papers had animal byproducts in them.
0: Yeah, it's true, actually. So some companies, however, will use only plant-based or synthetic sizing to make sure that they are 100% vegan and animal-friendly. So the process of sizing paper is used to reduce that tendency for absorption when the paper is dry.
1: So does that make it almost waterproof then?
0: Actually, if there was no sizing on a paper surface, then a liquid such as water or OMS would quickly just absorb into the surface of the paper. Now some sizing can even be present inside the fibers of the paper itself, which can also slow down that absorption.
1: Oh, I see. That's that's really cool.
0: So when choosing different types of paper, the amount of sizing can affect how your medium interacts with the surface. So let's talk about some advanced tips. So maybe you've been working in the medium for quite some time. What are you doing then? What things can you do to push yourself and to Actually, further your art and your art career or your hobby. So often, what happens to us whenever we're in that stage is we sort of settle into our own style and our own preferences. And, you know, it can start to become humdrum or it can start to become, you know, a little boring to us. And maybe we're not, you know, finding the muse that we once found. And what we can do is sort of branch out then and push ourselves in other directions not unlike what you would do as an intermediate artist, but really go outside of your comfort zone, really push yourself in a different direction with paper. If you've never tried to sand a paper before, maybe this is a good time to do that. There's several good ones on the market. Maybe, um, you know, you've never tried pastel mat. maybe wood or something, something that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it's drafting film. I don't know, you know, but do something that Makes you feel a little awkward inside. And sometimes that can get you over the hump.
1: Yeah, I think what's really great about that too is, you know, when you're at this advanced level, you're not struggling with technique anymore. You may need to alter your technique depending on if you're switching a surf to a surface type that's quite a bit different from the paper you used before. But you're you're not uh, you're not trying to deal with materials yeah. as well as technique, right. and um, trying to actually use the medium. So that's where being advanced is actually um, it, it's a great time to also continue to explore mm-hmm. because you know for some for some people they'll they'll find a, a combination that works for them and they will want to stick with it. But I find even for myself, they're you know, and also because I'm primarily um, using a lot of mixed media in my work. I'll still find uh, instances where I'll want to explore with a, a potentially different medium because I'll get a different result. And maybe I'm thinking of a piece that has a certain background look and texture. I can achieve it with colored pencil, but it's going to take forever to try and achieve that with colored pencil. Yeah. So why wouldn't I use Pan Pastel, for example? But now if I now made that decision to, to make that choice with, with combining those two mediums, Well, now I've got to maybe look at a different type of paper that's going to be able to support both of those mediums equally and get the result that I still want. So, um, you know, as you kind of uh, explore different subject matter or different avenues of your artwork, this is this is a great time because, you know, for me, it's like, okay, well, I already know how to execute Mm -hmm. what I want to do. I just need everything to align in terms of the materials that I'm using to be able to make it happen.
0: Yeah. And if you're an advanced artist. You've already got the techniques under your belt. So just remember that if it does make you feel a little uneasy to step outside of that comfort zone, remember that, you know, you didn't get here, um, you know, yesterday. So you've built up techniques for a long time. So it is easier for you to modify your technique just slightly. And I think you might be surprised at how much knowledge, uh, you actually have and how easily, Uh, you can execute on a brand new surface just by modifying a couple of things related to your technique. So awesome.
1: Well, and I think too, like, you know, it's a a great example of someone like yourself. um, When you experimented with sanded paper for the first time, I mean, that was something that you maybe didn't. Yeah, you hated (laughs) it. And we've talked about that often, but like, You know, it was an uncomfortable experience in the sense that, you know, your first experience with it wasn't what you didn't get the results you were hoping to get, but you've now, you've now worked with it to the point that it's, it's, it's a lot of what I think is defining your style as an artist. Like just Mm -hmm. in terms of when I see your work, you know, that, that look and feel that you're getting for it, like you really found the pocket with it, Mm -hmm. you know, like you found a way to, to make it really work for you and what you were trying to achieve. And I think for a lot of people, you know, where they're struggling with their artwork is potentially not having the right combination for, for what they want to achieve. And, and, and if you're willing to take that time to figure it out and not just take the time, like I'm not even talking about like you, you try it once and you're like, it either works (laughs) or it doesn't like, that's not, that's not how it works. Sometimes you actually need to give it a few tries or, or try, you know, change it up a little bit when you're experimenting, but. If you can if you can figure it out and find a way like you might find something that is like the perfect, unique combination um, of materials for you to, to create the artwork you've been envisioning. Exactly.
0: Right? No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Don't give up on it on on a, a single try. Uh, yeah. It, take, it really takes some time with it. Really immerse yourself in that particular surface and give it a fair shot by completing an entire you know it doesn't have to be a big uh huge study but some type of small study i think is a good way to go all right bard let's talk about some specific brands you know we want to give you guys something very practical to walk away with so what could you try so maybe you've come to the podcast today you wanted to listen to this because you want to know some specific papers to try well i've got good news and bad news um we could list them all I suppose but you know it would it, there's thousands of papers right Barb so we may be here a oh, while yeah. if we did that but wh- high level let's just mention a few that we think uh, might be uh, some good ones for different um, you know surfaces that are popular within the colored pencil community and maybe some that aren't so popular but are worth trying
1: For sure yeah I think Strathmore right off the top yeah. is a great brand that you know, offers a wide variety of papers, um, not just, you know, they, they have papers that I feel are beginner or, you know, suitable for beginners all the way up to professional level artists and and everything in between. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's certainly and I would encourage anyone to kind of go check out their website and, yeah. and explore on that a little bit, because I think they have a really a really dense uh, library of information, right. just even on their website. Um, that's a good one, you know, if, and it's actually also very highly available, um, in, in many stores. So, you know, some of the brands we're going to mention here in a minute, are maybe not as easy to find in, you know, your typical or your local art store, but Strathmore is definitely one of those that has a really large footprint in terms of, um, where it's available. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, you know, some of the brands, uh, underneath or some of the paper types, I should say models, right? Models of the make of the car, right? (laughs) Underneath <laughs> yeah. the Strathmore, maybe that's a way of thinking about it, um, are popular uh, that in uh, different papers that you might recognize, like Metons, uh There's the Touch paper, the Mittance Touch, right? I think it's called. Yeah. Um, Canson papers are actually owned by Strathmore as well. So, but there's all sorts of different flavors in between, and some have less and some have more prominent tooth. Available on it on the surface than others, so you can get lost in just so many different papers available underneath uh, those two particular brands, and uh, yeah, Barb and I will have a link set up for you over there in the show notes, uh, so you can go check out what they have available. Legion paper yeah. is another good one, uh, very popular in the colored pencil community has been for a long, long time. It's uh you know been around for a long time, and I, I think it's Maybe less popular now than it maybe used to be, but it still is a popular one that many artists also use. commonly
1: known as Stonehenge. Yeah, sorry Stonehenge
0: Legion today. paper company. Yeah. I'm sorry, thank you. Yeah, Stonehenge is the the actual paper underneath the the thousands of papers that Legion uh, also offers. So, yeah, uh, Fabriano this is another good one, right, Barb? That's a, a watercolor yep. paper primarily. And there's a lot of watercolor papers, right, I guess we should say. Arches. Yeah, uh,
1: and mostly, I should say, mostly hot the hot press versions of the watercolor papers. Yeah, Yeah, a lot. It's a lot smoother. So Mm -hmm. just a quick uh, aside, if you're talking about watercolor papers, um, hot press and cold press, the biggest difference, cold press is a lot more textured. There is uh, some different processes that are Mm -hmm. involved in terms of the manufacturing as well. But typically for colored pencil artists, they're going towards the... Hot, pressed hot version press version yeah. of the paper. Um, There's I, also I know a rough it seems press probably, in there
0: as well, and yeah, maybe one so, or two others. But yeah,
1: yeah. Typically, you're not going to want that because no. I'm sure if you if you have any kind of experience level with colored pencil, you'll know that it's hard enough to fill in the tooth. You don't want to then right have a paper that is extremely textured. Right. I mean, there are some exceptions, but uh, I think you know typically when we're talking about any kind of hot press paper in a line of a brand of paper, or it's, it's, it, that's usually what we're, or sorry, a watercolor paper. We're talking about hot press papers. Another
0: thing that happens on a watercolor paper that uh, maybe some don't know is that there is a barrier that there's sizing that is on that paper surface. And they do that in order to protect the fibers of the paper a little bit. So you're actually being quite abusive to the paper whenever you're putting this water on its surface. And or uh, an OMS, an odorless mineral spirit. And so that can have an effect on the quality of that surface. It can degrade that surface while you're working on it, I'm talking about. And so that's something to keep in mind that there's this barrier then a little bit between uh, your medium and the paper itself, as opposed to working on Stonehenge, where Stonehenge, maybe it has a little bit of sizing, but not very much. And so, you are actually feeling a lot of those cotton fibers as you're pressing your pencil medium into the paper. So, that would be some of the differences yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that uh, a lot of people maybe don't know about. And also, mm-hmm. just something to consider. I mean, when you're, I, I mean, if you take just a re- regular piece of copy paper and get it wet, yeah. I mean, it's not going to return to being flat. No. And so. There's there's actually a lot of, uh, I mean, I guess engineering that goes into some of these paper, artist paper types. And so, you know, when people are thinking about the the reason why you would want to use an artist paper over something else, I mean, one of the primary reasons for sure, and something that we didn't really talk about is even just the archival quality, right? So, you know, using papers that are made in a way that you know that it's going to interact with the materials that mm-hmm. you're using so that you're not going to get yellowing it's going to be archival long term and also just that that whole thing that when you put a medium onto the paper it's not going to then warp right. on you and and you know there's it's really kind of amazing something as simple as paper how there are so many processes and, and differences between the types and and how some are just better for others and you know even with a pastel paper for example The idea that you're gonna, it's gonna have that texture so that it holds the pastel. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't use pastel on a Bristol. I mean, that's a waste of your time, right? right? right. So, you know, it's waste of everyone's time. (laughs) Right. But uh, you know what I'm saying? It just doesn't even even
0: go on the paper. You know, it's just like if you use, yeah, like just
1: the, yeah. And if you think about just even something is, you know, that's maybe an extreme example when you're talking about say watercolor or water-based medium versus you know pastel or whatever, but when it comes to drawing media that that is also very important. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when nice. I was in college um, one of our media exploration classes uh, the one of the projects was using graphite. Mm. and so the the teacher that I had in that class had actually recommended that we get an extremely smooth paper. Mm. Because to do the high realism that we wanted to do with graphite, we needed that really, really smooth paper because the combination of those two things would allow you those smooth transitions, Uh, you know, in your gradients and that sort of thing. And to try and achieve that with a more, like a toothier paper or rougher paper would have been incredibly hard, right? So, you know, I mean, you're almost, you're doing yourself a favor when you actually do the research on these things and pair your mediums with your paper appropriately. because. It's taking a lot of the guesswork out of trying to get to your end result.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so let me just mention a couple more then. There are sanded papers. So We've got underneath that barb UART sanded paper, which comes in seven different grades. Lux archival, which comes in one static type of grade. I think it's 400. And then Fisher 400, obviously, comes in a 400 grade. Um, Clairefontaine makes a very good paper called pastel mat, which I think we may have mentioned already, but it's very unique and different. It's not a sanded paper. It's made with a cork uh, layer, and that's the layer that you draw on. The other side of it is more smooth, typically. And I often find that if you mount uh, most of these papers, you have, you have immediately elevated this surface to a more substantial support for your medium. Uh, so that's something I highly recommend, especially if you're getting a little more serious about your work, that you mount your work as you're working on it. I'm talking about you have it on some fixed surface that is a little more sturdy, like a board or like a heavier weight, um, you know, paper or some type of more plies of paper underneath the uh the surface that you're working on i like mounting on a board nowadays and i think it just works so much better it creates such a a a sturdy more durable surface than what i would have otherwise
1: and that's such an interesting evolution even in your technique Mm -hmm. right like when you think about even your your journey from when you started with colored pencil Working at probably a lot of the typical papers. Uh-huh. I think you used to be a pretty big fan of Stonehenge, Stonehenge yeah, right? So a lot of it. Yeah. So even your transition from that to a sanded paper right. to now mounting your paper. Like right. those are all things that, that come with the discovery of, of, of these experimentations and finding what works for you and Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you Yeah, you might find a paper that works for you in a certain season of your of your artwork or even just a style of artwork you're pursuing at the time but as you kind of evolve you're going to find other things that work better for your techniques that work better for you and i think that's a that's some of the exciting part about creating right yeah. like just just that process of you know there often you'll hear um artists ask well what's the they they want a, a one-off answer mm-hmm. on paper and pencils to use and the truth of the matter is, and, and maybe to some people's disappointment, is that there is no one answer no. because everyone is so individual with the way that they mark make, the way that they create artwork, the way that they're they're putting it onto the yeah. page that or canvas or whatever surface yeah. that, you know, they're really they're starting places you can you can start from yeah. that are good, but they're not necessarily gonna be what works for you long term. Right,
0: right. And and, and that's part of the fun of it is that exploration and figuring out okay, maybe I don't like to use a very, very light, light touch whenever I create my artwork. And that's okay. Depending on the surface, though, that may or may not work. And so if you find that, no, you know, I'd rather use uh, more pressure to the point of the pencil, then, you know, keep looking. Uh, There's a surface. For that, right? <laughs> what was that old thing that yeah. they came out with whenever cell phones were a new thing? You know, there's an app for that. Well, there's a paper for that. It really is. Yeah. And so you just keep looking. You look for what will work for your particular technique and style. Should we wrap up with some final thoughts here? Or do you want to You sure. wanna try to pronounce that, that tough paper name there that I, I can't even... Hardly read. Mule. Okay, let's go with that.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it's said. I apologize if I'm no, pronouncing I, hey, that wrong. I
0: love it. I, I'm
1: listen with my last name. I try to. <laughs> there <we> like, go. <laughs> I try to be an example of pronouncing things right. So so we've also know.
0: got. Uh, let's see. We wrote down a Derwent paper because they they produce paper now as well. So the list, like yeah. we mentioned, the list could go on and on and on. And mm-hmm. Barb and I never tire of talking about papers anyway. It's so sure fun. don't. <laughs> All right. So we were going to talk to you guys very quickly then before we uh wrapped up here about our favorite papers. So Barb, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a guess here. Let me make a guess on what what your particular favorite might be. I'm gonna You're... I'm gonna guess oh, go ahead. I'm gonna guess on yours. I'm gonna guess that it is okay. a Strathmore toned paper. Is that right? No? Am I wrong? It's actually not. Oh, okay, okay. I
1: mean Hold on. I should preface with like, it's not that I don't yeah, like it because yeah, I do. Yeah. I actually, so I used to use that, that paper actually quite frequently and I still enjoy using it. However, my techniques have now advanced because I use a lot of mixed media. Yeah. It actually doesn't have enough. Tooth it won't hold up for that. For me, well, but I do. Yeah. yeah but if I'm, I have to actually alter my, my techniques yeah. if I'm going to use that paper, but I do love it. I like the toned, they have a toned tan. Yeah a toned gray and a blue a toned like yeah. blue, which is lovely. Yeah. Um and it comes it comes in mixed media paper yeah. now as well. It's so actually that's where totally so that's that's where I tend to gravitate a little okay. bit more now. But what I would actually say Tends to be my favorite is the Fabriano Artistico oh, really? hot press. Really? Okay. And, and, and I know that's a common popular favorite as well, yeah. but the reason I like it is because it works so mm-hmm. well with different types of mixed mm-hmm. media. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, um, good. For example, is good. yeah. So it works really well with markers. It works really uh. well with pan pastel. It works obviously well with, you know, watercolor, um, or water based, uh, Water, like color pencils. Yeah. So, um, I find for me, it's my it's my go to mixed media, all the things. Yeah. However, Strathmore has some wonderful papers and the mixed media lines that are also really, yeah. Great. Oh, that's so cool. It's a little bit well, of a Well, you've, you've got me
0: interested anyway. in that one again. I've used it a few times, yeah. uh, but maybe I need to return to it and try it out again i really I just it.
1: yeah you know what it's what's a really high selling point for me with that paper is that it really has a great sense of returning to flatness mm-hmm. after it's warped a little bit when it's wet mm-hmm. um that was probably a terrible sentence but no i know anyways, what you mean it's, it's yeah like it, it really is superior even compared to something like arches um hot press i've tried yeah. Personally, and I don't feel that it flattens see, as well yeah. afterwards when it's dry.
0: That's is interesting because, I mean, you could buy a Fabriano Artistico paper in like yeah. several plies. You know, you could have a thicker right. sheet of that or you could have a thinner sheet. It comes in a block. It comes in these large single sheets as well. I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot of different flavors even within that particular paper style. So that's interesting.
1: Even with certain paper types, Stonehenge specifically, there are yep. some differences between, or some artists feel there are some differences between the stuff that's available in the pad right. versus the full sheets. So, and whether it there specifically is a difference or not, I I'm not aware of that. But I think definitely those are things to consider. Sometimes, you know, with with paper runs, there can be some some variations yeah. and that sort of thing. So i um, you know, I, I keep that in mind mm-hmm. when you're trying out papers They're, you know, something's always going to feel a little bit different in a smaller version than it will in the full sheet. Right, so right. something to consider.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I have noticed the difference, but it's marginal. I mean, it's so small. It's not enough to make me think, oh, there's a, you know, too big of a difference to work on it. But, uh, okay. Yeah. So anyway. I, I I'll talk about my favorite paper then as well. And then we'll just kind of wrap up here and kind of recap sure. what we talked about, guys. Any guesses, Barbara? <laughs> you probably oh, know. I was
1: going to say, it's funny. I was like, should I be guessing right now? Do I get to guess? <laughs> I just think it's fun. Uh, I mean,
0: you probably know. Already. I mean.
1: I, I, well, I would have guessed the UART paper, which is, it's, uh, I don't know if there's two. Right or there's not. two favorites. Okay. Yeah. See, we can have more than one favorite. That's right. This is what so happens. There's at least yeah. two
0: favorites. There may be three. Okay. So there's at least two UART 800 and I would say the uh, Clairefontaine pastel So. So, right. those two right yeah, there. Yeah. Cause you just, just talked about that. Just so good. Mount,
1: mounting that one. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. they
0: just so, so good.
1: I still to my embarrassment, have not tried either. So <laughs> I I will I know, right? I have, 40 I lashes have all of these with the wet noodle, so, I tell you. You know, it right? If you go back to I forget which episode it is off the top of my head now, but the one where you are was very generously giving away a bunch of samples of paper right. you could, you know, write in and get yeah. them to send them yep. to you. And I got all of those samples and I was so excited about it. And they are still in my paper drawer <laughs> because I there, have huh? just not got. I know, I just have, you know what? It's <laughs> pressure too, because I think I just, I know it's going to be such a different experience than how I normally work. Mm. And I think I'm just like nervous mm. about
0: so much pressure it out and build doing up, it wrong. Uh, uh, with regard to this paper, it's like, it's like when somebody tells you that was my favorite movie ever, go see it. You will love it. Like, okay.
1: Yeah, and then you go see it and you're like, well, you're like waiting to be <laughs> mind blown and you're like, it right. was okay.
0: Yeah. Like So what, know, one of You the... gotta
1: watch out for paper hype, I guess. <laughs> so right? in case you're at
0: wondering why I like these papers in particular, uh Pastel Mat is so different. It's just such a unique surface, different than any other surface that I've ever used especially when you start adding any kind of wet medium to the paper surface. It interacts with your pencils and with anything you put on it so much different than, than if you're on a sanded paper versus a cotton paper or anything else. You liquefy the colored pencil and you're essentially just painting on the surface. When you add an OMS, you, it will even take water. Uh, water with a polychromos pencil uh, for example and we won't get too much into all of this but because this is sort of outside of the the uh, scope of paper right now but very very unique surface to work on sanded paper same thing there are so many advantages to working on uh, a sanded surface light over dark is one thing in particular Uh, acceptance of wet media as well is another big one now By no means did Barb and I cover every single thing that could be said about paper. Uh, Stay tuned because we're going to be talking about other fundamentals. And obviously, we're going to have to talk about paper again. Right, Barb? We can't get away from it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So.
1: Well, I mean, we talked about pencils today. Yeah, right. Obviously, very lightly because we're trying to stay focused on paper, but I mean, these things obviously go hand in hand together. So, yeah, there'll definitely be more conversation on that, I'm sure.
0: All right. So we did talk about what you should maybe be focusing on or some tips for you if you're a beginner. Also, if you're an intermediate artist and if you're an advanced artist. And then we talked about the surfaces that Barb and I both gravitate towards
1: keep experimenting with paper and you know go to your local art store chat with some of the staff there again you know look at your favorite artists see what they're using just don't be afraid to try different things because that's where that's where the magic happens that's where sometimes you find that perfect combination for
0: yourself stay inspired and if you're not inspired sometimes it's just as simple as switching the surface and trying something brand new like that I love it so if you've not given a rating or a review to the show in a while you can do that just go over to Apple Podcasts you can listen there you can listen on Spotify iHeartRadio you can listen on your Amazon Echo device or anywhere else you're listening to the show right now appreciate you being here and we will talk to you next time until then take care and stay sharp bye bye